What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 146 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. I am happy there is rain, but I wish it only came at nighttime. Yeah. I, I We are a full-blown California complain mode, but it's rained enough. We've had a we've had a good winter. Our reservoirs are full. The the drought they're saying is over. I uh I need some good field work in and rain does not help. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh I feel like last year rain didn't keep and I guess this year it technically hasn't either fully kept us away from around at all. But uh, it's definitely taking its toll on field work. I know we shouldn't be complaining because a lot of y'all have had tons of snow and haven't been able to play for months, literally, but whatever. And technically, having a nice rainy season makes our fire season you know, less, less likely to be as dangerous and shorter. So uh, we should be thankful for rain, but at the same time, you know... Fuck you, jerk rain. Yeah. I haven't been able to throw as much as I want uh, during the week. Weekends, I've still not really had an issue getting out and playing. Um, it's more scheduling stuff that has kept me from playing here and there. But uh, still, not cool. Quit it. Yeah. I, you know, it, it also from like a work standpoint for me, rain makes stuff you know difficult for my scheduling purposes, being a, a contractor. So... It would be really great if, like you said, if it just rained from, say, I'm going to say, like, 9 p.m. to, like, 3 a.m. And then, and then like, chilled out for a little bit, and then we had nice days. That'd be perfect. I could handle that. Yeah. I mean, I legit would have no problem with, like, <laughs> 7 to 7. But now, you know, we start me. earlier in that. Plus, I need a little time for things to dry out. Like a, a yeah, I don't think it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. Well, but I, you know, I get it. I get it, and I'm listen, here for you. But it doesn't matter. So yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta support yeah, me a little bit. Here. Totally. I, I, I got it. So, I got it. but mostly just the. It's a. Uh, it's really hard to get a good grip on that D when it's when it's super moist. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean that's I, the. I, that's, I I'm all right. I know. Uh, I've. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it it makes for an actually like way more enjoyable experience when it's the appropriate moistness has been achieved. But in general, when I'm going for distance, I, you know, I want to have, I want to have a great grip. I want to have a solid, you know, really, just all all four of those finger pads on the inside of that D, just making sure that I'm getting the optimum release. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm talking about you looking at me like it like it there's some sort of sex thing, but I'm talking No. Well, like, as soon as you said inside the D, <laughs> like that took all the sex thing out the window. Like I I was like, "Ooh, he's going funny. He's going like on a weird sex thing." And then he was like, "I need my finger pads up inside the D." And I was like, "Wait, you don't All right, never mind. It's probably weird." Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but I, I figured like optimal release. I mean, like and, a pinky, but like, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> just to see if she likes it. Um, yeah, I I don't think I've had rain really mess with my grip in a while. Uh, I know when we yeah, played you do Brook better Trails, with that. 
Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I'm able to keep it pretty dry, and uh, yeah, you do. And I usually like have enough towels to whatever, but like even a little bit of moist. I don't know. I can figure it out. Nothing dries them out like Joe Hardiman. <sighs> I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> um, I think it's just I've got better grip. You do. You definitely do. Uh, and because when we play rainy rounds together, you tend to be just fine throwing yeah. your distance drivers, and I end up uh, just clubbing all the way down as far as I can to the point where I, you know, can get a decent grip on on in typically mid ranges or fairways, and go from there. So yeah, yeah it's that's- funny. I feel like the only thing that really gets more tricky for me i mean it's still tricky it's not like it's easier in the rain but uh like a wet putter is the hardest thing for me to like wrap my mind around and it's it's pure mental like there's not a lot of grip going into it anyways um it just it's all for me it's just one more thing to think about totally and for me like it's all feel like everything like i uh when i'm driving or when I'm throwing a driver or mid or whatever, I rotate the disc until like I find the spot that feels the best in my hand. And uh, if it's like a wet putter, I just can't find that nice little section. Yeah. Or if there's like a little mud on there or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's even worse. That's yeah. the worst thing. You know what? That's that's the same thing as... And then um, you miss your putt and you're like, damn it. I was going to say, it's the same thing as like putting with your bag on your back. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I can totally make this. And then it's like, oh, I didn't have that Durr. little like extra six inches of oomph and I hit the cage. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with like a wet putter is like, I should have taken the time. Like I have a towel in my pocket. I should have just wiped it down. But I was like, ah, oh, it's fucking, it's nine feet. It's fine. Ding. And then I missed my putt and now it's muddy. Right. Or I picked it up and it's money. I'm like, ah, it's fine. I'm just throwing it in. Like, I already missed that other putt. It's fine. And then you miss and it's real bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say, you know, just in general prepping for, for weather on on any sort of disc golf, whether it's for tournaments or for your course, like preparation is super important. Having enough rags, having the right kind of rags having umbrellas, having things to keep your hands warm, having things to keep your hands dry and and all of that. That's so important, especially if you're going to be, you know, like us, you know, sensitive to that kind of thing like having your, you know, gloves or whatever. I think I made fun of Eagle for rocking like the one glove thing when he was yep. driving earlier this season, but and shit, like, man. Oh, that makes sense. Like that's that's what you got to do. You got to be prepared for that and and have like just a freaking box of rags. Like I, I I legit for some of these rainy rounds, I don't need a a caddy for my discs. I need like a rag caddy. Yeah. Like just someone to carry a big old box of rags and just dry my discs. Like can we hire some hobos to do that? <laughs> What's your brother doing? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. He's not a hobo. He's oh. not a hobo. I mean, um, he's gainfully employed by you, thankfully. For like two more months. Yeah. Are you sure about that? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Um, oh, I was totally going <laughs> to... Oh, the- <laughs> so I would, before we... <laughs> uh, I've also learned, I recently bought a, not like the super largest ones possible, but a, a larger than normal uh, umbrella for disc golf. Um, I recommend everyone go and buy an umbrella. So far, um, it's worked really well. 
at keeping rain from coming at all. <laughs> I brought it with me when we played Stafford. I brought it with me to Daylight. Not a single bit of rain either time, although there was supposed to be. Also, uh, when walking underneath things, keep in mind that your giant umbrella sticks up two feet oh, past totally. your head. I was much better at Daylight than I was at Stafford. Stafford, definitely, I was like hitting everything, and I was like, I remembered um, and then when I was there last week, I totally was like, I need to like squat down or go to the side. Nothing like clotheslining yourself with an umbrella. Dude, it's the worst. I definitely like <laughs> at one point, um, it wasn't even like clipping on trees. There was definitely a point at Stafford where I like just putting my backpack on somehow like jabbed myself in the throat with the handle <laughs> of my umbrella, like, just sticking out of my bag. And I was like, what the fuck, Joe? You're smarter than this. So I'm going to get to uh, the rest of our episode, but before I do that, I want to let everyone know that we have brand new uh, Discraft 2019 DGP discs on our website, throwstuffatstuff.com. Hit that up. Uh, There's some zones up there, some uh, buzzes and uh, roaches, and I think that's pretty much it at this point. But uh, we got some fantastic stamps and some really awesome swirly ESP buzzes and, and jawbreaker buzzes and some killer just uh z zones that are yep. awesomely stable i got a chance to throw mine and uh it's nice uh well and i pulled i actually that ledge stone one that i've been bagging i i've now put in the the other one because I, I put the ledge stone on the wall because they're identical well i had a z i had the Macbeth z in my bag i pulled it out yeah i had just a stock jawbreaker i pulled it out yeah um i added an esp buzz so now i have two buzzes in my bag uh-huh um because my ti is doing work uh so just so y'all know they ran out of esp zones which was we what we wanted and we got z zones which we didn't order in the first place because they were supposed to be only for tournaments but because we ordered they didn't have what they what we wanted they hooked us up so it's not something you can actually even get easily in normally orders. no um and then the other thing that i'll just say and the the z zones actually uh, I don't know if there's an orange one left, but the yellow ones that we got, they're like a day glow yellow, and it's almost like a lustery. Yeah, total. It's totally. It's, it's well, the plastic t- is awesome. So this is our second. We've done two uh, dynamic disc orders. We've this is now our second discraft order, um, and still to this day, they are the cleanest stamps, the cleanest foils out of any manufacturer we've had disc done by. I haven't emailed them yet, but I checked the option to get our misprints. And we didn't get any misprints, and I think that's because they didn't have any misprints, which is wild. Which so, is rad. like you know, on that many discs, that's that's fantastic. If they didn't, maybe they fucked up, but and didn't send them. But uh, nonetheless, they probably sound like these are sick. It was probably like <laughs> super awesome swirl buzzes, and they're like, "We're gonna still hold on to these. Don't worry about it." But I modified the stamp for this year, uh, you know, different from last year's stamp, and I think it's a major improvement overall. It has both Joe and I on it and uh and our logo and all that sort of stuff so uh fantastic it turned out great in my opinion so no they're red the the stamps are beautiful there's even like um i'll be 100 percent honest i there are times i guess not always there are times that i am not in love with the uh american flag stamp yeah or foil i should say um they're just gorgeous there's not there's not a stamp um, there's not a color disc that we got that I dislike. Everything is super pretty. 
Um, and the swirls on the ESP buzzes, every single one of them turned out great. And there were some just absolutely gorgeous ones that have already disappeared. They were just like right. unicorns. But and so the other thing I just want to bring up, um, when we make these runs, when we order discs to sell, we open them up to our Patreon supporters first. And they eat up like the majority of them quick. It was pretty much like 80%. Yeah. So I was just saying, if you want to support us, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you want to join into our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the disc golf podcast, we do a pre-show every week um, that sometimes it's us just kind of getting deeper into what we do and how we play. Um, sometimes, it, you know, it's me farting in a mic. Who knows? And when we have guests, they do a pre-show with us, too. So, like, when, when we had Ian on, he did a full pre-show with us and, and divulge other, other you know, insights little, on little the disc stories, yeah. And, uh, and we'll have other guests coming on in the future, and, and we'll, we'll do that, too. So, uh, we thank everyone that supported us so far and, and bought discs. And if you haven't gotten your, your DGB disc yet, uh, get out there. Get the Discraft ones before they disappear. And there'll be other runs coming soon, right? So. And that's what I'm saying. If you if if you look forward, um, I don't think I'm jumping the gun, and I don't think it's happening like anytime in the next like month or so. But it, it will happen this year, um, possibly sooner than later. We are looking at an MVP Axiom order. Um, if you if that's like your your jam, which I guess is now one of my sayings, which makes sense. Um, Wait, just just now you're realizing that might. Oh no, I realized it. I realized it the first day that like everyone on Slack was like, well, as Joe would say, my jam. Like, no, I I get it, I get it, and I'm okay with it. I actually, I still need to change my uh, your emoji status. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) through all that, if you want to have first crack at that um, or anything that we drop. We always give first crack to our patrons. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, we really appreciate it. We don't charge, obviously, for the podcast. We uh, so, don't get sponsors. It's just our only way to to kind of keep us afloat and uh, pay for our discs and beer addiction. Feed my children mostly. No. Yeah, I mean that's you pretty- have like fifteen kids. This doesn't make anything close for I, you to. Well, I did. Yeah. Don't make don't make them think that we make tons of money on Patreon because we don't. You know, I had to switch to kitty litter instead of diapers this last week. So it, anything helps, okay? You know, like if I can fund my disc addiction here through the podcast and not have to siphon money away from my family, that's probably better for my children. I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. So, I mean, but let me tell you, the, the, the kid's bedroom with a three-inch layer of kitty litter on the floor, it's working great. For sure. I've saved so much money on diapers. It's been amazing. Anyway, uh, we got a great show for you guys tonight. We are going to recap the St. Patrick's Classic. We are going to recap the Throw Down the Mountain, which was an incredible tournament. Paul Macbeth uh, is okay at disc golf, uh, confirmed. Uh, also confirmed, uh, Simon throws kind of far. Yeah. Exactly. And then we're going to preview the Texas State Championships, and then we'll do our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the Opto X Havoc. Now, we've reviewed the Havoc in the past, but uh, we felt that we needed to revisit this one because the Opto X plastic 
kind of made it a totally different disc. Yep. So uh, we wanted to kind of uh, go over it again, and 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 you know maybe someone that was on the fence might might you know get some benefit from it. And we're going to pair that with Ode Tart with cherries, which is an 8.4% Flemish style red ale, a sour, and it's by the brewery. So this was sent to us by Frank. Oh, that was picked up in person from Frank by me. Yeah. The first time I met him, he was nice enough to take me to his little beer cellar and, and give us some super rad shit that we're still working our way through. Yeah. So we, we pulled these out here and there uh, because they're they're just fantastic and uh, the, you know the brewery is is always always the right choice. Oh, they're always doing work, great work. So, um, do you want to hit uh, the St. Patrick's Classic or throw it on the mountain first? I think we can rock through St. Patrick's Classic. I, I I mean, it's really um, we know on paper more what happened there than anything else. Because uh, yes, because we'll get actual coverage. For, I think uh, just a final round later. Um, and it's a course that you know very well, and I know better than most courses that there's video on. Yes. Um, so, I mean, St. Patrick's Classic in Sacramento, California, it's actually Orangevale. But uh, Sacramento, it's kind of a suburb of our of our state capital. And uh, pretty thickly wooded technical course. Not a ton of elevation, but there is some. Uh, it. it it's you know subtle where where it is, but a a very challenging course. Handful of bombs. Yeah, oh yeah, and they they mix in some bombs, especially for these St. Patrick's Classic layouts. Um, and yeah, I mean overall, just a, a tournament that we got some great footage of in the past, and typically based on timing, draws a decent pro layout. Also, you know Sacramento has a pretty decent history of of great pros. Um, at least currently, that that are out there, uh, you've got you know Drew Gibson that's out there, Josh Anthon, uh, you know pretty pretty decent set of of players that that kind of call that area their their right, home. Right. So, um, and in this case, uh, Josh Anthon wins again. I don't know how many of the of those he's actually won the St. Patrick's Classic. I don't but. know because I, I honestly was not super into. I guess bef- at the height of his career, Anthon was rocking before I was really paying attention. Got it. So I'm sure he has some wins from oh, like no, he definitely does. eight no, years yeah. back of just like oh, God, yeah. owning that course like he has the last two years. Um, he had a battle, and by battle I mean, um, I don't know, through nine holes of the final round last year maybe it was close between he and Proctor. Um and this year he just did work. He knows the course super well. He has every weapon to attack this course. Um, and then you add on top that, uh, one, if you don't know a lot about Anthon, um, and I'm going to keep this purely disc golf, he is one of, and and I don't feel like I'm over-representing by saying that Josh Anthon is one of the top three putters in disc golf. Yeah, and and he, he just seems to hit from all over. But yeah, you're right. Uh, last year, I on last week's podcast, I had thought that Anthon had won last year, but that's, that's incorrect. Uh, Proctor pulled yeah. it off. And we thought Proctor would win this year too, 
but um, he he came pretty close, not too far off. No, no, um, it was all like legit players. Where is Karen Messerschmidt from? Can you can you click on him? Sure. Yeah, I feel like he is an East Coaster. I could be one hundred percent wrong. Um, the PDJ may not tell me. But oh, okay, Washington. Washington. No, yeah. he's a West Coaster, just up north. Um, so that that makes sense. But I mean, Dustin Keegan. We can check and see if he's on Texas State because maybe he was just working his way down. Yeah, super possible. Um, you know, Chandler Fry. Uh, oh no, we're at Texas State. Sorry. Yeah, I'll. I'll. Sorry, I'll go back. Oh no, that. no, it's it's all good. Um, you know, there's a decent amount of pros that came out. Um, some that to us because we, this is our area. A lot of names might jump out more to us than others. Um, because like it's, it's Peter home McBride and I mean, there's Nico, Nico was there as well. And Sias Elmore and these, you know, Kyle Webster. Yeah. Um, Sias has been playing like Sias is, is like getting real close to being my under the radar, um, on the way to breakout guy. He, well, and Dustin Keegan's been having a, a great opening to the year, too. He has. Dustin Keegan's world has kind of been, um, well, I mean, look, he basically the same the same thing right now with St. Paddy's is he has one or two really good rounds in a tournament and then, like, okay rounds. If, if he can string together, like, two super solid rounds, he will uh, start winning some tournaments. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's come very, very close each time. So because he was, I believe third place in the Stafford Lake pro-am as well. So, yep. So he was, he was right behind there Yep, and he was right there. And I think he was leading or he would know he was like, uh, right there after the day one, he might've been leading after day one. I don't know. Yeah, but we don't have video of it yet. I, we do know that, uh, central coast, at least recorded the final round. I think it was the final nine. Mm. Well, I believe or it shorter, was. Shorter. I think it was the f- yeah, yeah, I shorter. Think, I don't. It it wasn't a final nine, but but they so, uh, um, um, Shady Oaks has extra holes that they add in for this tournament. Um, that that make it a lot longer. So the first two days, I I believe are maybe not a 27 hole but there's definitely extra holes in there and then the final round is is typically the 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 um you know shorter not shorter layout but fewer holes um a, a more standard layout so um i i believe that's what happened uh, here i i'm not totally sure maybe they played a different course but i do know that the the scores were were uh, dramatically different on that final round so uh, we should have Central Coast Disc Golf at some point. Um, one thing that I was kind of shocked in this was that we saw uh, Drew Gibson on the the slate and just assumed that he had not yet withdrawn because of his Achilles injury that he brought up on his Instagram. But he did indeed play, and he DNF'd. Uh, so he didn't end up finishing the tournament. And I, I was really pretty surprised by that i can't imagine why you would risk you know re-injuring an achilles for a tournament and now i get it it's his hometown 
and he probably really wanted to play, but and he's super bright, obviously, in all the decisions he makes across the board, not I, just as a player, but also on Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. Like very intelligent guy, like kind of crazy that he might make a decision like this. Joe, sarcasm is my thing. Okay, you're supposed to be like the, you know. Well, I'm sorry. I was trying to. I was looking up something else. I, I would have jumped in earlier to like <laughs> lay that out so you could jump in and do that. Um, I apologize. But I, I was just kind of stunned. And then, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and then you weren't stunned because you're like, oh, yeah, it's it's true. I just, it just seemed like such a strange thing because he put up his thing saying I have an Achilles injury and, uh, you know, I'm going to be out for, you know, I think he said like two to two to six weeks or whatever. So he's in that range, and so maybe he wanted to test it. And of course, this this tournament means a lot to him, um, being his his kind of hometown tournament. But uh, I would think that that despite that, you'd want to kind of protect yourself and and get ready for some of these bigger events that are coming up pretty soon. So I, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, he ended up finishing. I guess last place as a result, but it's a DNF, so it doesn't totally, you know, it's not a, a true yeah. picture of it. Well, and I think he was on a card with Kyle Webster. That's that's what we heard from Brian. So, I mean, maybe maybe he's like, I can't do this. He was like, are you suggesting like a Tanya Harding situation? <clears throat> no, not not in the slightest maybe, bit. Maybe uh, no, maybe th- Audrey came up and just clubbed that ankle. Hell no. <laughs> Hell, I don't think she I think he like looked over and was like, I need to go. <laughs> this was a poor decision on my part. I apologize. I'm Ky- gonna- Kyle just just looked over at him on the first hole and was like, "Thanks for the words." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just brought out a big fucking poster boy that said hashtag wife life, and he was like, he was like, "Oh my, my Achilles, hey, I'm out. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, y'all." I can't do this. Um, yeah, that's just goose. Uh, so I think actually filming uh, is it was uh, Pavo Substad from uh, Pure okay. Hydro Productions. That would make sense. That's who's great. done all of the. Oh, that's the a past blast! Stuff. I think so. I hope so. I hope so too. I hope so, and if so, I hope I, he joins for commentary with yeah, Ian. Yeah, for sure. Um, I miss that channel. I bet I could have like confirmed all this far ahead of the show and just like Ian, hey is this what's Wait, up was that pure speculation or i so- feel like brian said something about uh it being pablo you feel like okay. yeah totally okay 100 percent. because i went and played around with him like the days before and i think okay. he said that was happening that'd be great i missed that channel no it was a great channel but speaking of which um if you want to understand what this course is before the uh central coast drops you can check them out they have a like uh, what is it like? Eleven hundred preview, eleven oh eight oh, yeah. or something round Rickies, of yeah. Ricky. Yeah, uh, but they also have full rounds. They have last year's, I think. Even no, that's Central. Yeah. Um, but they have some cool, more in depth. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. There's there's St. Patrick's rounds. classic footage on both Pure Heiser Productions and on on CCDG. Yeah. So yeah, I just like they have like the supercut of Ricky just demolishing the yeah, course just lame. like if if you are a huge ricky fan and uh you want to watch him burn and ate the countryside for sure oh that makes me love eagle that much more do you see that post? yeah i did oh god it's so amazing <laughs> um 
But like after Waco, if you're like, I need a, a cleanser to remind me how great Ricky is. Pure Heiser Productions. Look up Ricky's. It was a fifteen down. Fifteen round. down yeah. at Shady. We've talked about it a bunch. I know, but that's rad. Just you know, people need to know. Yep. You ready to move on to uh, the uh, throw down the Macbeth? I mean, mountain. Uh, yeah, uh, Paul Macbeth's real good at disc golf. All right, so Texas State Championships. So uh, remember last week, Joe, when we said that Paul Macbeth was going to win and there was like nothing else we needed to talk about? That was like our preview. for. We didn't even do picks. We just said Paul's going to win. And we were 100% right. <laughs> and we were, we were we so were, much more. If it, was, if, if it were possible to be more than 100% right, we would be that. No, we weren't right enough because we, we, we didn't exclaimed by how much he was going to win like i could have been tagged in for paul on the final round and we yeah and probably still could have won that tournament <laughs> I, that's possible yeah <laughs> but but we weren't emphatic enough like he won by so much that we despite the fact that we were both like there's no way paul loses <laughs> day one set course record <laughs> day two set course record <laughs> Day three, with a bogey on 17, set, set the course record. Set course record. Day four, profit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> day four, he rested. <laughs> no, day four, he rested. Yeah. Like, ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Like, you know what? Even and on day six, he rose again. On, <laughs> on, uh, on, or at Waco, we talked about his minus 18 round and being like, there were some putts that stuck that, you know, had they not, we would have not, like, faulted the basket. Like, for sure, that's what was up. I don't remember a putt that wasn't, like, center, beautiful, like, hit every part of the basket you're supposed to. It was. This was a massacre. It was a massacre. Drives, money, up game, money. He pretty much putts. led like every statistical category. That he, you could, no, he like, did. I'm going to bring up the U disc right here. But like every single possible player stat, I, I, like let, let's find the player stat that he didn't lead in. And I think for the season, he's like leading everything by for all. So players. fairway hits, number one. So I'm guessing parked, he's not going to be number one. Oh, yeah, he is. No? Nope, he's not. So. Fairway hits, he was number one. Parked, no, no such. Circle one regulation, for sure. Yep. So, number one in circle one. Uh, circle two in regulation, yep. You better believe it. Scramble, oh, second place to Chris Dickerson. Get him dick and tenders. <laughs> so, and 94 to, to 89. Circle one X, number one. Uh, tied with, with two others who are also 100% uh, circle one X. And then circle two putting, also number one. So pretty much every stat that, aside from parked and scramble um, on U-Disc, uh, Paul Macbeth was was the best. And, you know, when you when you beat the field by, like, freaking 20 strokes, uh, there was also that will happen. It's not one, 20 strokes. There was but. one other amazing occurrence that happened, talking about someone who led. Um, there was also a player who was dead last in every single category. Uh, even with someone who quit after round one, um, there was still a, no joke. A really? gentleman who was able to hit last in almost every single category, 
and his name is Lloyd Weimer. Yeah, but he got a par. Oh, final day maybe. <laughs> well, I'm right now. I'm looking at at uh, at oh round three. Yeah, round three. He got a par. Oh, right, let's look. Let's. I want to see how many par. So that's round one. three, hole sixteen. All right, go to go to I two. I think no, that's the only one. I somebody somebody showed it to me uh, earlier. I'll just scroll to the bottom on each day because that's where I'm going to find Lloyd Wima. What? I just I just don't. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a yep. bloodbath. Yep. Oh. Uh and uh. Let's see, yeah, round one. No, I for sure know he his he didn't par part one until the sixteenth hole of the last day. And uh yeah. Right? And look Yep. Oh my god. Yep. And the dude who plus, DNF'd plus, plus ninety three. And the dude who DNF'd still Well, I mean a DNF a DNF plus thirteen is you know, a, a DNF's a DNF, so No, for sure. Um but if you extrapolate that, but hey, like that just lets us know I can be an open player right now. I mean, any you can sign up for open in, at any tournament you want to, pretty much. Aside from certain ones that that are invitation based, or you know, there's. But can I can I sign up for open and then tell people I'm a professional disc golfer? I I think that it, in my opinion, you have to win money to consider yourself a professional. That to me, pro does not have anything to do with signing up for open. It has to do with did you win money in an open division, or are you getting paid to play in that open division? So, no, I would say you would have to. Uh, well, the disc golf you would podcast have to cash. pay me five dollars to absolutely play not. Open? No, we would never do something like that. It's a stupid idea. Well, I guess I'm not an open player. No, no. Damn it! But if you cashed in in an open tournament. I you could you could, I would I'd be okay with you you saying you're a pro. Yeah, that's never. I don't know that I'll ever play open in a tournament. But I sure as fuck am not going to divert any DGP funds. Hell no, I'm not. I, you. I ain't no dumb dumb. I'm about to try and waste I mean, their money on that. You um, could you could pay me to uh to for you to play open, and that I'd be okay with that. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, so and then I would just like make stuff up about. So another fun fact, if you haven't been paying attention. Paul Macbeth's bogey on 17 was his first bogey in like 101 holes or something yeah, it was, insane. It was quite a few. Like, I think second round. You of, just put out a thing. First on... round of Waco. Uh-huh. Uh, like hole five was the last bogey he had. Yeah. Just bananas. He, You know what he is doing? And this course is one that I'm sure has gotten him in the past for... Um, because they, they definitely have spots. His conservative play is working really well. And we've talked about, I think, the last like three years, he and Eagle were the dudes who were always like the most OB. They were always crushing. Like he was always trying to like take the aggressive line and would find himself OB like all the time. Still would score well because, you know, when he didn't go OB, he was, like, super parked for, like, Eagles. But uh, he... I think it's zones. I think it's zones. I think it's... We talked about this. Uh, I came over on... Self-serving because I love zones so on much. On Saturday, but. and we uh, packed up Ds and whatnot. But I think there are two big things beyond zones that have really attributed to Paul um, 
killing it so far this year. One, his wife Hannah has upped her game a ton too, and I know that he is surely like setting the precedent for what you know kind of work you need to put in to be a top tier disc golfer, and it's rubbing off on her. You can tell that she is into it and she's working her butt off too like she's definitely improving also um so i think that's one piece you know your wife's out there grinding with you that helps well plus to piggyback on that um relearning a a brand new set of discs has to put him that's where i was gonna go next like yeah that's just He's practicing more than ever, we would think. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, his field work is surely up from where it was before. Um, you know, and not that he's, you know, he's a winner. He gets after it, but it's always possible. I think for Robin and I, too, who are um, very good at, in our respective fields, there's definitely times where you get complacent. You're like, I'm real good at this. Like, it's fine. Um I'm not stressing. I can just knock it out. Uh, and when there's a curveball or something new that comes in and it pushes you, one, it makes you better, but also I think it pumps you back up about doing what you do. And with the new set of discs, Paul is back at it. Like he is getting new flights. Like you bring up the zone. He's seeing things he hasn't seen before. I think even Germ brought it up watching doing the commentary the buzz is not something any of it does like it, it's the the straight flight i think on 15 i don't know you know yeah i i know it's, there's kind of like a i mean it's throw down the mountain there's lots of elevation at this place so yeah it's not fair to be like oh it's a downhill downhill hole but, but it's, <laughs> a, it's a big downhill par five i think it's 15 uh or no it's 14 hole 14 the throws that Macbeth gets with buzzes just bombing, granted super downhill, but to have something that is so neutral that you can crank and just laser beam straight, maybe a little bit of turn but comes back to center, like not a big fade, is is big. And I think rocks, uh, I don't know that there's that neutrality. Neut- yeah, there there with, are. With- I mean, I've certainly seen, like, you see other players like Drew Gibson and Philo and stuff like that, like great rock throwers, bomb those DX rocks and, and KC Pro rocks. And But Paul's a little different. He I, I think he prefers a, a more stable disc just in general. And I think that the buzz for him fits better than, than the rock did. True, but I still like even talking about um, Gru and and Philo. It's either like a nice slow turnover, or something that goes straight and has like yeah. a nice clean fade at the end. Like that super neutral, like putter almost finish straight. I, I don't know that you see that a lot with rocks. I've seen it with certain players. Yeah, uh, like Proctor does it too. Um, I'm and just then, thinking, like looking at the and then way that Colling was like, I don't, I don't understand this. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. And and we're talking also pretty big distance to to be doing that as well. So I'm I'm probably comparing it to shots that weren't quite as far. Right. Right. Is, is right, my right, guess. Right. But I mean, I I've I've seen even you know non touring pro players do things with rocks that I consider to be you know, just unimaginable. Yeah. Like uh, throwing 
uh, shots where I would be throwing a distance driver and they threw a Casey Pro Rock and it just went like a laser beam and that's true. And I you think know for me it like hits extra home because I know. I can get that same flight out of a buzz. Granted, I know I'm cranking it way harder than Paul is, and it's a TI buzz. But that uh, that the reason the buzz went back my bag uh, before Paul went to Discraft was because of that laser beam straight on distance with a crank on it. Yeah. Like usually when I think about discs that I for I, the record also I I don't want to let this slide by but Joe just said that he was cranking way harder on it than Paul McBeth and you know I'm just saying I mean do what you gotta do debate off like <laughs> if Paul cranked as hard as I did <laughs> she would go way right there'd be so many little McBeths running around oh goodness um. But yeah, I think the zone, the buzz, he's just seeing new things. I think I alluded to it earlier. He, um, I don't think he'll ever find an oversaleable control driver that he really loves. That's just Macbeth. I yeah. know, I know he was, I think he started with Raptor and then Predator and now Tsunami. He's throwing Tsunamis now. He, you know what he's doing? This is all, this is all calculated. He's just selling discs. You would think that, but I don't. Like, how many? These he, are OOP he, discs. He threw, too. he threw, he threw, he threw the Max, and then he yeah, threw the Firebird, totally. and then he went no, to an right. FD3, and then he went back to a Firebird. Like, the Firebird, like the most iconic, overstable yeah. uh, driver in that class. That if you talk with people in other brands that are like, that's the disc that just has not been recreated, he never even cared. He was like, I don't like how it feels in my hand. I want something different. Uh, and I think he found the Thunderbird. He's like, rad. And he's like, oh, no, this turns over for me. What else is there? I think he's always going to be in a search in that range for, like, the seven to nine speed with a four fade that he'll just never be happy. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't read too far into that. Fair enough. But I think the other pieces, the the Force, the Kong, the Undertaker, the Buzz, the Zone are all – and the Luna – the Luna. We didn't even talk about the Luna, Robin. The new Luna. The new Luna. The new look Luna. The, which, the, the, which the proto can, Luna, not the proto putter or whatever. Which he conveniently framed perfectly in like every single shot that uh, that uh, he possibly could before uh, just smashing chains. Um. So, oh, random, random thought. Do you think there's anything in his contract written into that? Because. I a friend of mine, uh, his older brother was a skateboarder, and he let us know, and then I think it's like been publicized too, that like surfers and skaters, if you can like get pictures taken of you with like the bottom of your board or the branding out, and same thing for photographers, both sides, you make more money for those shots. He one hundred percent rotated his disc oh totally but i'm saying like perfectly do you think it's purely for him to sell his own product or do you think yes. he like worked yeah. into his contract like no no i like think, give I'm, me an extra like 500 bucks every time i get like an in-frame shot i mean of my I, shit i think i do it sometimes with a disc stamp just me personally like being a design person wanting it to just look right 
Right? And your so, aesthetics and mine shits all feel so, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I'm guessing Paul's just like, this disc has to be perfect. I must rotate it perfectly so that it's right in the camera. Let me rotate a little bit. Like, he legitimately was, he he may have, like, turned around at some point and they cut it out of the footage, like Jomez, and he was like, hey, hey, Jonathan, could you move, like, you know, maybe two feet over? Like, I feel like you've almost got the right shot, but I think if you're maybe 18 inches over, you could really perfectly frame this and get my new uh, Luna putter perfectly framed here. Well, they, I mean, the, the in the bag, the building the yeah. bag, the, all that yeah. shit, like, I, Joe Mez is getting paid by Discraft, right? Like, what if they just listed? It's not just them for views. <laughs> oh, yeah, they they're do. Definitely, yeah, yeah. They're definitely, they know they're contracted. Discraft sponsored. Yeah. But, uh. What if they just started listing Paul as like executive producer on, on and then like do the little credits? I wouldn't be blown away. I ain't blown away at all. Like good for him. He's a businessman. Good times. He's doing work. All and right. He's doing work on the course. Um, and some other guys like played okay. I guess before we move on, uh, other people played okay. No, I, I don't know to be totally honest and not to like shit on anybody. I don't think there's anybody really worth bringing up that like really killed it. I mean, he won by 14 strokes. Yeah, he could have quit on day two and and won. Um, so, you know, but, it's it's just kind of like you know he, he he averaged like 1087 or something like that for he set course records every single day. Yep. He only had Since one bogey I think through Waco. He, he, if, maybe even before Waco, he's like averaging over 1080. It, so it's. Like, it, it's just an obliteration. He's um, he's, he's he's very much Simon threw like a six hundred foot plus shot. Yeah, um, I, I guess that's true. Oh my god, Did, have you watched that yet? Yeah. Have you have you watched the the Terry? The have you seen like the, no, the no, putt no. out and everything? No. So I, he missed his putt though, right? Right. So they yeah. bring that up. Like I know you. There's a, a video that was like on Reddit of him, and you could see the throw and see it land and everything. And then you hear like, oh, but he missed the putt. And I'm like, oh, it's Simon being Simon. Like, he crushed it and he probably like was circle's edge or whatever, just like he did when he threw his like almost 500-foot putter at Waco. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's Simon being Simon. Awesome, huge shots, but just like just out of range to to crush the putt. Like, he missed like a 12-footer. Like, he was. He totally robbed it. He was parked. <sighs> He was Simon. I feel like, I it feel wasn't. You, bro. It wasn't the same. Like Waco. Like I kind of get that. Yeah, that was like a twenty-five footer, probably. Yeah, if not more. Yeah, and, and whatever. But like legit, it was like a twelve-foot putt that, oh, that he Simon. hit. He hit weak side, and it just chained out. Simon, if you want to hang out, I I understand this. I I know your pain. I do it like twice around. I'm ready for him to just go back to being a showman. The greatest showman, perhaps. Um, sure. It's a it's a it's a movie. I have, oh. too, I have too many kids. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Well, you have too many kids, and you have a wife that loves musicals. Yeah, God, it's brutal. Yeah, I don't. I I don't. My my wife likes musicals. <laughs> Just fun fun little side thing. Uh, I, I told my wife for years, like I've never seen any. Like I never saw Mary Poppins. I never saw any of these. Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. We didn't watch those. He's like, I'm sure you did. Like, you had a mom, her, and there, I think around Christmas time, she was like, "You guys definitely watch these, right?" My mom's like, 
no, I hate musicals. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Thank you, mom. You got my back. Yeah, we don't do those movies. We haven't <laughs> seen any of those. And I don't want to see any of those. Um, anyways. You're so funny as a musician, You still, but you still hate on some of this stuff. People don't break into song randomly. That's not a thing that happens in life. That's not the point of musicals. Come on. That is what, yeah, I'm not into it. And I don't like that fucking music. It's <laughs> crappy music. Uh, 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 the Greatest Showman is just freaking pop music. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. It's just pop not, music. Not for me. I don't listen to no, music on not, the radio. It's not like, it's, yeah. But but you've seen Anywho, it multiple times. It's, uh, uh, anyways, it's, I want Simon to go back to like 2015 uh, Masters Cup at De La, like throwing... I mean, he's still kind of doing it for grenade us. Grenade putters. I know he like is. His last shot sort of stuff. I know he is. I want his. I want his putt to come back. I want him to compete. I, I yeah. take. I, I. He has every tool there is, and we brought it up. We brought it up. I think we bring it up every year. When his putts are off, he just doesn't win. That's the. That's the Joe take. The forever Joe take. If if player X can putt. It's more so not even if he can putt like Simon is a spin putter. He smashes it in uh-huh. and uh, it just takes a tick for him to be off for that putt to just be abysmal. But he could also be the dude who's on and hits like 40 foot putts mm-hmm. like nothing. Like Eagle's the same style putter and he's just been Eagle's way a, cleaner. Eagle's a better putter than No, Simon. totally. 100%. Yeah. 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 I mean, I understand what you're saying, but it's also like when you have top three distance, like the most elite distance. I know, but at some point you have to analyze something else about it. Like it's not like if they're on it, it's good or, but there's another reason for that. They're just not, they're just, Simon is not as good at the entire game of disc golf as Eagle and Ricky and Paul. He's just not. He doesn't. And it shows up in his in his other uh, aspects of his game too, not just putting. It's really evident in putting when it's going wrong, but there are other mistakes that he makes on the course that are just as critical, but they're just not as, you know, blaringly obvious. So, I that's my when I say that to you and I make fun of you for it. That's what I'm saying is that. It's not always about that. It's 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 a, a whole whole thing. And as someone personally that struggles with putting, that's part of it too. So I understand I understand that part of it. Like the it affects other parts of your game as well. So Yes. Oh what what? No, I, I, I really do I, I mean I understand what you're saying. But you're going to tell me that when he is putting like he was at Memorial, if he was putting like that at uh, at third on the mountain, he wouldn't have been a top four I, finisher? I Yes, I, I understand that. But when you're doing if arguments, like if player X can putt, you, you do it a lot. That's not a good argument for anything. But it is if the majority of their game is solid aside from the putting. But that's what you're missing. You're missing the other parts. You notice the putting because it's it's blaringly obvious. But there are other parts, too, that he makes pretty egregious mistakes from time to time that cost him other strokes. 
No, I I totally understand. I'm not saying the only thing missing is the putting. I'm saying that if that was sealed up more. I know, but you're starting these things with the if again. It doesn't. Yeah, and I'm still staying that way, though. Like, but, I know what you're saying, but uh, it's it's a bigger, it's it's a larger percentage of the scoring is coming from putting than any of the other I pieces. think that's just a feeling for you, though. I, I, it could be, but you know, that's, that's, I mean, we could break it down. We never will because we don't have that time or, or effort. Uh, and, and totally, you could be totally right that it, it is a feel, but like, I, mean, I, I know like for you playing the last like five rounds I've played with you, that is for sure the majority of your strokes are going and putting mm-hmm. like the vast majority. Uh, and and I would I would uh, agree, but there are also other parts of it that have been affected too. And it, at the same time, what I'm what I'm primarily saying, and this started as a joke because you you really do say it a lot, just like you say that's my jam, or other, we all have our verbal crutches on the podcast. But you do say if player X could putt, this would be fine. And to me, that's just kind of like, well, duh, you know, like if if. If I could putt like Paul Macbeth, I'd be really fucking good too. And the reason is, no, is I, that Paul Macbeth is an excellent putter. But the reason I bring it up with players like Simon is because there have been instances of him being that good of a putter. But streakiness doesn't make you a good putter. Simon's just not a good putter. And sometimes he is. But he's overall, he's not a good putter. Oh, d- d- so that's that's where I that's what I'm coming from. You say if he could, and I'm saying that's not who he is. But you're saying so he it's could not, never be a good putter? Is that I, what you're saying? I, I, no, that's, no. But that's my point is he but could work his way going to back be to a good absolute. putter. That doesn't make any sense. So it, it's not that he could never be a, a good putter, and that's not what I said at all. What I'm saying is that he presently, over the course of his career, is not a good putter. He's streaky and erratic and misses 12-foot putts and then sometimes makes 40-foot ones. He's not a good putter. And that's part of his game, and that's who he is. But and, it doesn't mean it has to, you know, if you're talking absolute, like, it doesn't need to stay that way. But but what do you have to suggest that it could be anything different? We have a pretty big sample size of him now. I'm just saying, like... So, I, that's... What I'm trying to explain is my position when you say, if they if this player could putt, well maybe they can't like maybe that's not who they are and that's not what well, they displayed I like to, to li- us i like to live in a world that um anything's possible i know but like look at the rather than just say that from time to just like look closer at it and be like well simon instead of so how about this so instead i'm supposed to say you know what if simon just was good at disc golf he would win tournaments no no why no instead you say if simon focused on consistency in his game rather than these showman shots like you were asking for, he would be a better disc golfer. That is something he could actually focus on and it would improve all aspects of his game. And instead he's doing these huge shots yet missing the the short putt and being inconsistent on his putts and giving us a show, but not delivering the potential that we see in him and that you see in what you're really getting at. So that's my point. Okay. And with any disc golfer, that's the case. 
Like, like, I don't know. I like. Okay. I, I, I guess I'm just, um, I'm, a, I, I am not fully there. Like I understand kind of what you're saying, but I, I still feel like it's, you're being like super broad instead of being able to focus in on something. And maybe I'm focusing in too deep and I get that. And I think that's what you're saying. Um, but no, no, I, I, I was saying more what you were just now. Like, well, if, never mind, I, I guess we, this, we beat this horse enough at yeah. this point. Okay. But, Fun times. All right. Well, uh, I guess, uh, we need to do picks for Texas state championship. We need to, Oh, we haven't even talked about, Texas, talk state about championship. Texas state championship. Oh, you know, we maybe even... cut this entire segment out. I don't, I don't no, know. It's fine. It's, it's, that's who we are. We didn't talk FPO at all either. Uh, which was very short. There was a tiny FPO field. So, and, uh, we're already running late on time. So I think we'll just move on to Texas state championship. We've got uh, Paul, Paul's not there, so don't worry. He's not going to run yeah, away with it. Yeah, Paul won't be there, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Ricky Wysocki, uh, James Conrad, Paul Uliberry, Philo Brathwaite, Garrett Gerthy, Chandler Fry, Bradley Williams, blast from the past, will make his, uh, I believe, first appearance that we've seen. Has Garrett Gerthy, like, I feel really bad. Has Garrett Gerthy always repped Grass Valley, California? Um, I believe so, yeah. I had no clue. I, I honestly didn't think he was a, a California guy. Sorry. Really? I just realized that. Yeah, totally. Um, so why don't you start off picks? Uh, so we, so uh, we've had U-Disc. We've done our Grip 6 picks, uh, which, are, which are a lot of fun that U-Disc has put on, and uh, you get to pick six players. We're going to do a little different on this one. I think we're doing three. Three right? and three on on this case. So uh, for for uh, MPO, uh, I am going to. I guess you should start because you. I think you won our last set of picks. So I think you're you're. Oh, you won our, our you won the last grip pick six. I'm sure I saw your shit. Uh, but yeah. Um, oh, we didn't really make picks last week. We just said we Paul. didn't. No. Uh, in third place, I am going to take Bradley Williams. <sighs> I should have just gone. All right, I'm going to take uh, Emerson Keith in in third place. In second place, I am going to take James Conrad, and I am going to take Paul Uliberry. And then I'm going to take Rick. Like Rick owns this, yeah. Course, he Same. owns this wind. He knows what's up. Um, he is playing good. Dis- I think that's like overshadowed by all of Paul just being f- fucking dominant. Uh, Rick is playing great disc golf this year. He's definitely come out. Uh, doing great things, and this is his this is his course. So easily could have won Waco uh, with a with a couple of couple of uh, breaks going his direction. This they easily could have been a playoff in in his uh, in his favor or even an outright win. Um, had Paul Macbeth not had a couple of uh, of lucky breaks, and had he you know yeah, uh, I mean hole fifteen. You said it last week. If yeah. hole fifteen would have gone the other way. If he had a, a better upshot and Paul was OB, it would have been a different outcome. Well, and uh, and those putts we talked about in his 18 down round, it had two of those putts not stayed in the basket. Right. Or one, you know. You know anyways. We're, we're talking a totally different game. So I, I think that that was way closer than the scoreboard. We said it last week, too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if you go back to our conversation a minute ago, like 
Rick probably played a more consistent tournament. I would, I would, I would say did. so. Yeah. Um, and well, he, till the end, he, I he think he did fall apart. But, last but he had, he had the wind taken out of his sails. I'd say not to make excuses for for someone, but but I, he, I think that he kind of knew that he had lost um, once it got to that point and and wasn't wasn't yep. executing anymore. Yep. So. Um, and I'm not sure why that was because it, it seemed like he was there, but he made, he definitely, as much as we say there could have been breaks that went in his direction, uh, he, he definitely could have kept pressing towards the end of that tournament and, and put himself in a much closer position. He probably still would have lost, but uh, he, he could have made it a lot closer had he, yeah, had no, he just and it wasn't, executed. Right. And it wasn't like his missed putts at the end were, chain outs they were cage hits yeah they, you know they, they were weren't misspots. they weren't flirting and 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 slipping out yeah uh, you know is what it is all right so uh the ladies once again you can start off joe um in third i will take rebecca cox oh i'm i'm gonna go in exact order that you see above there <laughs> i'm going fakus in third place i'm gonna go second i'm actually gonna go hook em. Oh, okay I'm going to go Weiss in second. And then I'll go Weiss number one. Yeah, and I'll 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 take Hokum as, as number one. Um I kind of like going back to Vegas, where Hokum started out strong, I don't know that she is super confident, nor does she really know what those gyros do in wind. <clears throat> and Texas State can get gusty. Yeah. So so I'm yeah. gonna put Weiss ahead of ahead of her uh in that tournament. I, yeah, and I'm just going with with. I just believe that she's the better player, and and I I think that it'll it'll show through. And I think she she can adjust to that. I think they've got some overstable enough plastic, and that that perhaps they do. perhaps she's gonna throw a nitro nonstop. <laughs> perhaps that was recognized, and and that uh, she'll get after it. All right, are are you Sweet. ready to uh, to uh, move on from Texas State and I, get to our deer review? I am. All right, uh, it's time for our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the Latitude 64 Opto X Havoc, which is a 12-speed, or sorry, 13-speed, 5-glide, minus 1 turn, and 3-fade distance driver, and we are pairing that with Ode Tart uh with cherries by the brewery which is an 8.8 percent alcohol uh flemish red ale a sour ale and uh, we were given this by uh frank budemeister so thank you frank we love you and budemeister uh, sorry oh, yeah budemeister it's, he, he's probably it's all the jaeger too. i drank before the show he's probably down with that too but uh but another uh, brewery's always awesome so we wanted to get after that on on this particular right, one. i'm pretty positive i just did research because i thought it was funky like i feel like girthy's from like florida oh, okay but weiss and grass valley and all that whatnot he's now repping got it sorry um where do you want to start um we can start with so i feel like we should start with the havoc because we've reviewed the havoc before but uh, we we felt it was important to revisit this one because the difference between this havoc so opto x has been something that uh, that uh, latitude 64 has been using and dynamic disc brand has been using um or the x to to use a more stiff version of their plastic and more overstable version so 
and they uh, they've been rocking those. And this one is just dramatically different. I feel like they <laughs> made it in OptoX, so the original fight numbers would actually make sense. Uh, maybe. Like, like, I know that's not the real reason, but that's what I feel. I'm like throwing it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is what a Havoc should have been. Like when I look at a Havoc and I looked at the numbers for a Havoc and then I threw it uh, when we reviewed it earlier, um, I was like, this is like a minus three. This yeah. is like a turnover out of my hand, like Heiser flip, crazy. Like never trust it in a headwind no. of any kind. And I don't know that I would love the OptoX in a headwind. Um, I would feel definitely more confident. I still get flip and turn, but it always comes back. Like, it's not turning over. It's not a roller. I feel like that minus one is super solid, and the three is true, too. Like, it comes back um, not super hard, but nice and reliable. Like, the first big cranks that we had – well, first off, the first OptoX that we messed with was a trespass, and it definitely added stability to a trespass. And I think we both loved the feel of the Havoc and uh, like the 13 speed was real, like it was a real fast disc. And the distance capability. Totally. And as soon as I saw OptoX, I was like, well, we're going to spend like $25 each on these signature series because that's how they roll um, because they look pretty and we like the Havoc. And if the, I almost feel like we left the Havoc off with, man, if it was just a little more stable. Yep. And then this came out, and it was, boom, exactly what we asked for. Yeah. So that that's part of why we, we brought this one through just in general was because the complaints that we had before were kind of addressed with this version of the plastic. So Right. Um, and still a disc that you can just straight up bomb and a little bit understable still, but not a turnover machine like the previous version was. So. Right, like I almost feel like, and and Robin like looked up on Infinite. Infinite is what we use like usually when we look at like flight numbers for discs, because they uh, change them kind of based on reviews that they get. Um, we kind of feel like the the X discs should almost be broken out the same way. Like there's the Ballista and Ballista Pro, uh-huh. um, because that added stability kind of does make. A, a big difference. Disc. Yeah. Uh, the same way, you know, I think that a sexy bird and a firebird shouldn't be in the same category. Like, we should split the, the same way that uh, someday we will review an ape. Uh, I have a champion ape, a max weight champion ape. And uh, if you look at infinite discs, they say an ape is a minus one turn because the abundance of people that are reviewing the ape were throwing the old school, like, 150 blizzard apes which are a whole different world, an insanely different world. Um, if we could start splitting out plastics, I, I think that would be best for or, a lot of discs. Or if they just, you know, and they're probably for, you know, just ease of, of uh, you know, PDGA approval. But, you know, like you got a T-Bird 3. And granted, that's a different mold. It's a flatter version of it, but it's also, you know, Stiffer plastic, but if you do an, a slight update like that and the flight difference is that much, uh, let's give it a new category. Well, I mean, but I know it just has to do with the fact that they still want it to be under the, the same exact and they're still well, using so the, the same mold, mold, right? It's just a stiffer version of the plastic, and that plastic cures in a different rate and ends up being a, a harder, more overstable version of the disc. So, 
it it's a great it's a great thing to do with a lot of their their um, you know popular discs, especially the ones that are a little bit understable that people tend to ask for a slightly more stable version. Yeah. So. No, and that's that's this for sure. What is the? Can you scroll on just a little bit, real quick? The the glide is the only thing. I feel like it. My throws. I feel really great about it. it. Does have a little turn. It gets out there and it comes back. The five glide. I would almost call it like a four point five. I I threw it a lot when I was in LA and. Um, as much as I loved like the flight and was super confident in it, I feel like it, it was just getting there like a little tick shorter than the other discs that I was throwing. Um, but I I, w- I definitely loved the feel and the flight of it. Yeah, uh, I I don't know that that I can throw a a thirteen speed disc well enough to judge the glide. Um, it, it's typically a, a speed that I don't perform very well with in general, but. Uh, I I did. It was nice to have a little bit more consistency out of this disc than than the other versions, which had a tendency to be pretty flippy. So I did appreciate that. All right, uh, beer. Um, it's tart with cherries. <laughs> so uh, this is Ode Tart by uh the brewery and 8.8 percent alcohol. This is a 2014 version, and again, uh, thanks to Frank for for uh, getting this over to us. Um, a Flemish-style red ale, and this was aged in red wine barrels for 18 months, they're saying, and had cherries added in the final stage of the barrel. And it's it's a nice sour. It's not, like, overly overly bitter or anything like that. It literally tastes like like you got a, got a, a nice just dried cherry type thing. It's got fantastic kind of kind of tangy flavor to it. Um, the, the cherries are, are very present. So, um, and then I was expecting to see kind of a, a reddish color there overall, but it's, it's really got kind of the, the darker dark ale kind of color to the, to the beer itself. So, right. Um, it is tart. <laughs> it's tart. It's, it's, it's sour, um, and it's one of those more tart sours. Like, there's not really sweet right on the tongue. Like, you get the the sweet in like the aftertaste as your you know your tongue kind of um, deals with with the tart, the sour. Um, also, I just looked it up. It, it may be like eau du tart. Okay. I don't know. Um, I asked you that before the show, and you're like, "Yeah, it's fine." I thought it was, and then I then I was like remembering months and months. I took Spanish, not French. I I didn't take any of them. I just pretended and then had my mom help me with my Spanish homework and then I got in trouble because I was using like... B's and V's incorrectly. Well, that was one, which I still like, I don't care. But no, it was like using conjugation that we hadn't learned yet. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, uh, you cheated because we didn't teach you that and you used that. Like, mom, what the fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, fun times. Yeah, and I fought my way through. People would always get caught in in our Spanish classes when they would have their uh, native speakers do their homework because they would swap the B's and the V's. It's not double U, it's double B. Kind of. Have you heard that though? Yeah, like W, like it's like people say it different. 
Yeah. I know you mean that. But it's like, I, that was more in writing, I would say. They would swap the Bs and the Vs. Yeah. Because they in Spanish they they sound the same except no for sure if you had someone that didn't it, that came from Mexico but didn't have schooling long enough to learn the writing they only learned it phonetically they'll swap them in their writing oh yeah I didn't have that my mom so my mom learned all her her Englishes and whatnot yeah and well that's the problem it's the English learning that that caused them to do that well she also went back to school to get all the Spanish so. to be a, like a licensed translator but yeah yeah. She was, she taught me well also and like especially around here too, like there's so much slang that rolls in that has nothing to do. Like I you got a call one day in your car and we were driving to disc golf and you're having a conversation. I was like, I understood the majority of that. What the hell does this mean? And you're like, Oh man, that's just like super backwards ass slang that you will never learn anywhere else. <laughs> like it's this like hose bib or some shit that they made up some word uh-huh. for. And yep. I was like, okay, I feel better about my Spanish now because I was really worried that I had no fucking clue at all. So many made saying. up words. Oh yeah. So many made up words. But uh, I mean, we've smashed this entire. This was a 750 milliliter bottle, uh, and uh, we're we're doing work on it at this point. And you know, it, there's never a bad beer from the brewery. So no, nope. Yeah. Prove me wrong, Frank. Send me all the brewery. <laughs> Send me it all, and I'll see if there's a bad one. So, and uh, I guess this is now two sours that we've reviewed on the show, both from the brewery. So. Has there not been any other stars we re- reviewed? No, I went and looked. Oh, we need to get some Russian River in here. Um, Brian gave us a whole bunch of good stuff, but we just drank it um, with friends instead of on the podcast. We've got some uh, Lagunitas Sparkling Swan over there. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah, I'm good. Um, although the Dark Swan, that was the one that was okay. It was the... Yeah, that other one that was not Aunt Sally. Aunt Sally was big. Yeah, that was that was booty. No good. Yeah. Um but yeah, no. It's great. It definitely you gotta be down with sour like I'll tell you right now, I would rather drink this than a uh white IPA. Oh yeah. Like any you, day, every like day. What? I I, I uh How's well, that I just, even I, a- I'm you I'm more so yeah, you're right. I'm I'm more trying to say that Everything I always talk about is like, oh, I need like fucking triple crazy happy IPAs. Um, there's a very soft spot in my heart for like beautiful sours. Yo, absolutely. Like this shit is uh, fucking amazing. Super good, duper good. Um, I'm going to kind of just roll it straight in. Uh, this is the way you drink it, like with a buddy or with a few friends. This is not a coarse beer. Like you're not bringing a 750 and cracking that shit and getting after it. One, it doesn't fit in a bottle keeper. I mean, if you do, I props to you. Like if that's how you roll, I, you know, I guess. I, I yeah. I mean, come on. I guess, but what it's would like, you even say? I, I bet that's the also the shithead who like accidentally like kicks it too and spills half of it out. And you're just like, like what, what the fuck are you doing? What, what do they... you expect? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Like, come on. <laughs> what if they What if they brought like a nice uh, chalice and everything and just were like, you know, like a big like snifter type <laughs> shit? <laughs> Why not? I'd just be like, all right. That's- <laughs> what's happening they're like uh i'm gonna tee it just give me a second before i putt like this needs to breathe i just need a minute you know uh, it's kind of like when you meet someone that has a face tattoo and you're like okay you know i have no problem you've got with a face, face tattoos. Tattoos. <laughs> well like speaking of frank like frank's rad like i go 
every time I'm down in LA, I go play Twyla. There's hella dudes with face tattoos. Exactly. And, and they're super chill. And, and you're like, clip. but exactly. You're just like, I wouldn't personally choose to do that. That's true. But you're rocking it. You're proud of it. And uh, you're doing it well. So who am I to judge? So if you want to bring an expensive uh, Flemish sour ale on uh, the course and uh, drink it. Yeah, just know that if you kick it over and I spill half it out, I'm going to laugh at you. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be like, dumbass, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Pull it together. I mean, it's a tall bottle. You could probably salvage it pretty quick. You'd hope so. You know, it's not like. Well, especially like L.A. Like, there's no hills. You're fine. <laughs> there's, 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 there's. Oh, sorry. There's hills. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, there's lumps. There's lumps. Fuck, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Playing Lamy and fucking Frank's like, oh, this is like the tough hill. Everyone gets tired, and I'm like, oh, we just, oh, we already did it. That's it. That's no, it? we're we're good. We're good. Don't worry. Don't you worry about that cart boy. <laughs> All right. So uh, the beer, delicious, but but not exactly uh, a a course scenario. No, I'm not bringing on the course. And then uh, the disc you've actually bagged for. I but, did, but I not did. I bagged. I big bagged for a while. Um, I lost one. At uh, David L. Baker in L.A. Uh, on just a poorly advised, uh, somewhat drunk, dead arm throw over water. Um, but it was very easy to go to Discovering the World and buy another brand new Max Weight Pink Lucid X uh, Havoc. Um, but I, I've decided, and I mean, I've been talking about this for a while. I've pared down my bag right now. Like My top end has uh, simplified uh, and I don't carry it anymore, but it's a beautiful disc. And I feel like just because of the great pulls that I had with it when we first got it, like it just jumped right in my bag. Same thing with the lifted truck. Like I, you know, that's my, that's my thing. Robin's got his putters <laughs> mm-hmm. for me. If I have a real good drive with something, I'm like, Oh, that's going in the bag. I love it forever. And then I realize that I don't ever reach for it because there's like staples that I've always used. I just don't understand why you would name a high speed disc after a low speed battle frigate. It just it doesn't make sense to me. That's the thing that I've never been able to really marry in 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 my understanding of the Corvette. I, I just it's this fourteen speed disc supposed to go super fast and and you know be this max distance driver, but you name it after a a a battleship that is you know doesn't have a a max speed that would seem to make sense with that type of disc i you know i i don't know did you know a toyota corolla is a schooner (laughs) just thought you should know that Uh, miata is actually a type of kayak (laughs) sorry it's a kayak with a lawnmower engine hooked up to it it's a it's a it's a speed he uses a weed whacker to to propel itself. Yeah. God. <laughs> Worst argument I've ever heard in my life. Like, no, Corvette, it's a it's a battleship. It's it's a battleship. They're not naming it out a car after a car like every other disc they have that are named after cars. Well, I mean, a, a Corvette class warship could probably make a pretty decent castle run. No, it wouldn't. They're slow. Come on. Did you just make a Star Trek reference? <laughs> What are you doing here? 
You know that wasn't a Star Trek <laughs> reference. Don't you play stupid. No, Harry Potter, sorry. You know how fast the Millennium Falcon made the castle Get run. Get Dumbledore. <laughs> All right. Uh, like so disc. Four, uh, 14 <laughs> parcels. <laughs> parcels, yes. Um. Anyways, disc not my bag. Robin. Uh, definitely not in my bag. Uh, it's... Uh, <sighs> It's not that I didn't like it. It it's just that I struggle with this speed of disc just in general. And there are days when I am my timing is right and I can use a disc like this really well. And then there are other days where I'm not quite clicking on all cylinders and something like this just doesn't work for me. And I find that with a lot of those uh, twelve plus speed discs. So I actively am trying to make sure that I, you know, stick to my stick to my roots and and throw the discs that that tend to work for me every day and not try to bite off that extra 10 15 feet so yeah and i do try and bite off that extra 10 15 feet and i feel like it a little bit more with the other discs that i carry yeah um it is it is a great disc it is it's a great i mean i told you i dunked one and the next day went and bought another one because i liked it that much it it's a super cool disc. Um, I bet, like, if we one of us put the time in to get a little more beat, it would be a super duper beautiful thing. Um, like that tick more stable havoc. Like this, this is decently more stable than the havoc that we threw. Um, a little bit more where you could feel confident that it was going to come back, but still get nice turn. Like, it, it, I understand it. I'm, I'm. It's a cool disc, but I'm not carrying it. So that's an ofer. That's been it's been a long time. I feel like this is not one of those ofers we should count as an ofer because the beer is awesome. The beer is awesome. The disc is awesome. I mean, they're both yeah. awesome, but they're not for the course. Yeah. And our rating is based on the course, not whether they're great or not. So it is an ofer. So um, is this the is the review if Simon could putt? Um. <laughs> no, this is the if Joe could putt. If I could make every putt within circle two, I'd be a thousand rated disc golfer. You would be a lot better than thousand rated, I'd say. Yeah, I guess circle two. <laughs> All right, let me make it circle one. Circle one. You'd, you would be, if you made every single circle one putt, you would definitely be thousand rated. I think it'd be a thousand rated disc golfer. Easily. Um, because I mean, you, you. Man, I miss so many circle one putts. You drive out to, to like, you know. 380 pretty regularly and, yeah. and and crest 400 at times and if you made every circle one putt you would absolutely be thousand rated yep so this is uh that's what this is it's a guaranteed circle one putter thousand rating uh, it's not gonna happen but it's really good thoughts and 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 uh good beer and disc yeah yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Disc Golf Podcast. Make sure to review us on iTunes. Leave uh, five stars and say something nice about the show. Helps keep us rated at the top. We really appreciate those of you that have done it. I love seeing those new reviews pop up. Uh, so make sure and drop that out. Uh, hit our website, throwstuffatstuff.com. We have our new DGP discs are up there. We have shirts that are up there. There's all kinds of good stuff. You can also use the link on our website to join Slack and become a part of the best chat, disc golf chat group in the entire world. Uh, I I fully support and believe that. We will welcome you and uh, and 
answer any questions you may have. And there's all kinds of rabbit holes you can go down. We got lots of great community members and and it's just a fantastic place. So throw stuff at stuff.com. You can hit our store. There's a joint Slack link. Hit all of that. We love it. Thank you so much. And get out there this weekend and throw stuff at stuff. This is a song for the aceless. For those with aces, listen closely. You don't always have to huck it hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes you got to lay it up and fucking not run an ace or two. Sometimes you got to ease if you want to put the D's and the B's. Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm going to throw it softly. I'm going to hug it gently. I'm going to flick it smoothly. I'm going to toss it so sweetly. And then you say, hey, I hit some metal. And then you say, wait a minute, Robin. I think I'm starting to get it now Could you fill my throat for me? That's fucking teamwork What's your favorite disc? That's cool with me It's not a trespass But I guess it works for you What's your favorite beer? The only answer is an IPA So let's go to the bar And then I'm gonna flick it so sweetly then I'll fucking hug it softly And then I'll fucking throw it perfectly But then I'm gonna hug